Welcome to church on Sunday nights. What a blessing it is to be here, amen? So good to see you young men here. God is good. Take advantage of the situation. Tonight we have a prayer night. We welcome you to Living Word Church. If you're visiting, I think I've seen most people. I'm Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a pleasure to be here with you tonight. Lord, we love you so much, Heavenly Father. We appreciate you, Lord. You're so worthy. We give you honor. We give you praise. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for the plan that you had for mankind, oh God, Jesus. Despite our shortcomings, you made an effort to reach out to us. Send your son to this earth that he can die and be resurrected. A savior for us. Someone we can cry out to and pray to with confidence and faith for answers and truth, oh God. We love you so much for this. You did not leave us alone. When you went back to heaven, you did not leave us alone. You sent your comforter, you sent your advocate to help us, to guide us, to stand by us, to be with us. Hallelujah, Lord, we appreciate this so much and we want to take advantage of this tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Tonight I want to turn to Philippians 4, verse 6. A familiar passage. Hallelujah. I can remember when I was working, uh, I worked in orthopedics for a long time with a bunch of men. And there was two things they were always amazed by. I never had alcohol, and I've never seen a full Super Bowl live. <laughs> they never, they never, I told them I never listened to a country song either, and then they asked for my passport. Are you even American? But I am. But we're, you know, the Bible says when you're born again, you're, you're in a new family, right? You're peculiar, right? You're different. It's okay to be different. It's okay to say I never had alcohol. I'm proud of it. It's part of my testimony. I can live without it. I've never seen a Super Bowl live. It's okay. I've seen a lot of them taped. Just as good. Just as exciting. Don't be ashamed to be proud of the new life that Jesus gave you. It's a wonderful thing. They're convicted, believe me. It says here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Very familiar, right? We know the scripture. Some of us have probably been going over it in home fellowships, but Paul wrote to this to the church in Philippi when uh, it's thought that he was probably imprisoned in Rome. So here he is imprisoned in Rome, and he, and he wanted to reach out to the churches. And the way he could reach out to the churches without being there in person was by writing a letter. So he wrote, he penned this letter, or how they did it back then. And also, as a side note, not only was he in prison, but there's a chance that he was awaiting death. So here he was in prison, awaiting death. If you read in Philippians uh, chapter 1 here, uh, about verse 20, 21, Paul talks about, you know, if whether I live or whether I die, it's to Christ. There's this sort of, if you read it, there's this sort of question. I'm not sure what the next step is in my life. I'm in prison, and I'm sort of not sure what they're going to do with me. And he talks to, to the church. I'd love to be there with you in person, but here I am. It's a letter of sort of reminding the church. It, it's a letter of thanksgiving, uh, Epaphroditus, 
uh, sent, they sent, he was part of the congregation. They sent a gift to Paul. He was there. Paul reminded them that, hey, Ephroditus is, he was sick, but he's actually doing better. It was a letter to tell the church, I'm doing okay. Paul says, I'm in good spirits. I'm serving the Lord. I'm doing the best that I can. And he was writing to the church to maintain, to, I'm sorry, to hope that they would maintain their faith. Here Paul was imprisoned. You don't think of being having a successful career by saying I'm in prison. But here Paul was just saying, in prison, saying, I'm having a good career in Christ. I'm doing successful in Christ. And it sort of paints us a picture, and this is sort of the a hope of my heart tonight, that what the world sees is not always what God sees at success. What we interpret in our fleshly bodies and our souls as success in life and success in prayer and answer to prayer and moving forward in Christ, what we see as getting accomplished in Christ may very well not be what Christ sees as accomplishment in Christ. And it's something to think about here as Paul was writing to the church in prison, encouraging them to maintain the faith. What a blessing it is. The church, Paul, Paul uh, for the Philippi church, uh, Pastor Brian did a nice video on the church of Philippians, and, and I thought it was a really neat video, talking, giving us some good background, saved me a little bit of doing that. So for Home Fellowship, this will be just a reminder. It was the first church of, that Paul founded. We can see that in Acts chapter 16. Uh, you remember from the video and your readings that the first convert, do you remember the first convert in Philippi? The, the Lydia. Lydia was the first convert, right? The seller of purple. They met her and they, they talked to her. Um, she, was, she was the first convert. And in fact, when Paul and Silas were thrown into the prison, you remember the miracle that happened? And, and the jailer was saved. I love that. I love the response of the jailer to Paul, don't you? His first response is what? What do I do to get saved? <laughs> A miracle happens and it's not, wow, that's pretty cool. How can I do that? No, it's, what can I do to have, get saved? God's, God's big. But the first person Paul visits after that, he goes back to the church. He runs right back to Lydia and the church, and he talks to them, and they pray, and they, and they continue preaching. Wow, Paul really loved the Philippian church here. He went back several, a, a few times. But the reason Paul was writing this letter to the church was to increase their faith. And I want to increase our faith tonight. He really wanted the church to make progress in faith. There's no doubt that there were conflicts in the church. You can see in, in the few verses above this, Paul asked, reminds two women in the church. By the way, Philippians was really, a, uh, with Lydia, it seemed to be a really, uh, 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 the, the females in the church were really vibrant and really a part of the church. Ladies, you could be a part of the church and vibrant in the church. It's a good thing. It's a healthy thing for a church. And here Paul is saying here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, that he's reminding two women, hey, you guys got to do the lawn a little bit. There was always, you know, no churches without his conflicts, as we heard this morning. But, it's, but overall, the church seemed like a, if, you, if you compare the letter to Corinth, the Corinth church or the church at Galatia, boy, you'd say the Philippian church seemed like overall they're a pretty good church. They were doing pretty healthy in the Lord, it seems like compared to some of the churches that Paul was writing to, even from the, that we heard about from this morning in, in the Corinth church. Most of Paul's letter was really encouraging to the, to the church of Philippi. But with, did this mean that Paul wanted to tell them, you guys are doing good. Little conflict, that's to be expected. 
is it time to rest and relax? By no means was Paul wanting them to do that. Amen? Look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Has Jesus took hold of you? Has he gotten a hold of your life? Has he gotten your attention? Does he have your heart? Well, he wants to do something with it. It's not just, Lord, I surrender to you. Now, give me what I need. No, it's, Lord, I surrender to you now. What do you want me to do? Amen? What a prayer that Paul had here. And it says this in verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Here he is in prison writing letters to the church, an apostle who found, founded churches. And here he is saying, I still haven't taken a hold of it fully, what God has for me. Wow. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Moving forward, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We may think that, wow, as a congregation, as individual people, you may say, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot that the Lord can do. I know exactly what the Lord can do and how he works and what he's done. But Paul says, I haven't seen it all. Forgetting what's behind, I'm pressing on forward. And I want to encourage you in prayer tonight. What does the Lord have for you as you move forward in him? As you move forward in him, what is your heart's desire? What is your prayer? Did you come tonight just to hear other prayers? That's neat. That's encouraging. But I want to challenge you, as Paul was challenging the church of Philippi, what's behind is behind. Goodness, it's behind now. There's something else to do. A successful life, it's behind you now. There's something else to do. Hurt, bitterness, frustration, hey, put it behind you now. There's something else the Lord has for you. See, all the above, Paul was reminding them, whatever it is, strive for the goal to attain. Run the race to what? Win. Run the race to, run the race to win. Not to, hey, I may finish, I may not. No. Paul was encouraging the church to, to, to win. The fact is that spiritual progress Brothers and sisters, we know this, takes effort. It takes effort. God sent his son, that took effort. Jesus went to the cross, that took effort. Jesus came back and Jesus left, I believe that took effort for Jesus to leave. He knew the Holy Ghost comes, right? Spiritual progress takes every effort. Every believer, each believer needs to make their own effort in faith. You need to make your own effort in faith. Nothing new I'm telling you, I know. Look at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to stay in Philippians tonight. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Wow, what an encouragement Paul had for his church. For this, I'm sorry, for the church at Philippi, the Lord's church. Amen here? What an encouragement. Continue 
to work out. It's not, hey, I made a choice for Jesus. I'm good. Paul was, Paul was saying, that's, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. That's, that's the step. That's to get you in the gate. But once you're in the gate, now you have to do the work. That's to get you in the building a little bit. Now go to work, Paul's saying. One of the efforts we must continue to work on started in the verse we read, chapter, chapter 4, verse 6. You can turn back there. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Our effort is not to be anxious. Some of your translations will say, be careful for nothing. Our effort is not to be too cautious, too nervous, too anxious, meaning to take thought in something too long of this world I'm talking about. Maybe even of your own Christian walk. Maybe it's been a prayer that hasn't quite been answered. Or maybe something in your spiritual walk that hasn't come to resolution like you want to. And you keep thinking about that. And it keeps playing over in your mind. Paul reminded the church, don't do that. Don't be anxious for that type of thing. Our effort is not to be anxious. It almost seems impossible, doesn't it, saints? Don't be anxious for anything. Don't take care or or take thought in something. Nothing. Anything. It almost seems like, Paul, are, are you even human? Do you understand what the human body does? We, we do have anxiety about things. Are we going to pay the next bill? Are we going to be able to find a job if we're out of employment? Did, did, does the girl across the row like me or not? Whatever it is in life, we have to find out something. We're anxious about something. It's amazing that Paul uses the words here. I went into the Strong's Concordance today just to double check, even though I've done this before, but maybe a triple check, quadruple check to make sure what these words mean. And the Bible teaches us that this is anything. Anything. You name it. Anything. If you say, Brother Ben, anything, 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 anything. Everything, 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 everything. It's almost like, Paul, are you, does this, that doesn't make sense. For anything, yes. Everything, yes. Isn't that quite amazing, saints? The Bible teaches we're going to have situations. Jesus taught us we're going to have conflicts. He taught conflict resolution, in fact. He even taught us how to get out of that conflict. He taught us many things. Hard times will come. Persecutions will come. He taught us that you have to wait on prayer. He taught us that miracles might not happen right away. It's all in God's timing. Our response is, don't be anxious about it. Be patient. Name a situation in your life. Name a situation in the church over 40 years, maybe 50 years. Name something, name anything. Paul's reminding the church, and and I want to remind us tonight, saints, as brothers and sisters in Christ, don't let this world and thoughts in our minds and situations that happen outside of the church, situations that happen within the church weigh you down and begin to affect your prayer life, begin to affect who you are. Anything and everything Paul says, don't be anxious for. Don't let it come to you and bother you. Don't let it come. Don't let it affect you. He says this, but, or rather, or here's another word, alternatively, he says this, in every situation, give thanks. Thanks. 
In every situation, there's that word again, everything, everything. Yes. Don't be anxious about anything and in everything, give thanks. Wait, in my unanswered prayer, give thanks. Wait, in my prospects in life don't seem to be working out, give thanks. Wait, I just got a huge prayer raise. I'm doing great. Give thanks. Wait, I just got engaged. Give thanks. God is so good, amen? What a, what a blessing the Lord is in our hearts. And anything and everything, it goes to Jesus Christ. Anything and everything, it goes to Jesus Christ. How is this possible? You may think as a human being, I can't do this. There's too many emotions in life. We have to respect people's emotions and respect people's thoughts and respect. Sure we do. I understand that. But Paul seems, Paul seems to be saying something beyond our human capacity. You may say, that seems almost impossible to do. And I think if Paul was here tonight, he might say this. Exactly. Of our own ability, it's impossible to do. In the natural, this seems outrageous. In the natural, this seems like you're not human. In the natural, it seems like the Bible is unattainable. You can't do this. The word of God is unattainable. And you know what, my brothers and sisters, in the natural, it is unattainable. In the natural, it's hard not to be anxious for anything. In the natural, it's hard to give thanks in every situation in your life. But when you become a peculiar people, when Jesus Christ has come into your heart, Remember the scripture that says, where is it? I wrote it down here. Philippians 2.13. For it is God. You know the scripture by heart. For it is God who works in who? You. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You see, if you want to be able to maintain an anxious free life, a life not filled with a little anxiety and frustration of things, again, outside in the world, of things that happen within the body of Christ, Paul says this, give it to God. Because God will work in you to allow you to give thanks in every situation. That's awesome. That's really cool, isn't it? I can't do it. I can't do it, Lord. I don't know what to pray for. The Bible says the, the Spirit will intercede for you and help you to pray. Lord, I don't know what direction to go. I don't know what to do in my life. Paul is teaching here from the word of God, let God work in you. Let God work in you. How about 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17? Therefore, if anyone, there it is again, anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I have a, I wrote in my notes here a word. I, I thought I wrote in my notes here. Give me one moment. Talk amongst yourselves. I thought it was pretty neat. Wow, maybe I, maybe I uh, was meditating on it and I never wrote it. Anyhow okay. These words, all, never, everything, anything. The Bible talks 
all things about it. There's a scripture in Titus I was looking up today that says you can be freed from all lawlessness, all sin. The, it's amazing what things about. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything, all things have become new. And I want to encourage you tonight, if not everything is new in your heart, if your heart does not feel all things have become new, everything's changed, you're still holding on to some personal identity of something. Hey, I have to have some pony in the race. This is what I'm going to hold on to. I want to encourage you. That's limiting Jesus in your heart. That's limiting your focus. You will look through the eyes at the church. You will look through the eyes. You will look through your eyes at brothers and sisters differently than if you have given everything to Jesus Christ. If you let it go and relinquish all to Jesus Christ, the Bible promises us this. All things will become new. You'll see things differently. We'll be able to pray. All petitions can be given to God. And that's what I want to encourage us tonight. What are we to do? In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving in your heart, present your request to God. So that's my encouragement tonight. What's on your heart? What is your request to God? It may sound, hey, brother, from the word this morning, it may be like, I have to get some forgiveness off. I have to forgive somebody. I want to encourage you, forgive somebody. It may be like, I haven't relinquished everything to Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you tonight, here's a prime time to relinquish everything to Jesus Christ. Everything, 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 everything. Anything, anything, anything. So this might be, I have to go deep. I have to go deep. You're like, brother, it's a Sunday night. I don't want to go too deep. Well, hey, that's between you and Jesus. I get it. I'm here to encourage you. I want to encourage you to go all in for Jesus. When you go all in for Jesus, new things begin to happen. Things you never thought you'd do. Getting filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, laying hands on the sick, praying in faith without, without wavering. This can all happen in your heart as you reach out to Jesus and relinquish everything to Jesus. You are my all. You are my Savior. I give you everything. You're the Lord and Savior of my life and see what he can do with that as we spend the night in prayer. And that's my encouragement. Take the time to get to know Jesus.